I guess we're live. We're live. Victor, we live. We good? Okay, cool. Uh, we live now. We're live. Uh, Happy Wednesday, Chris. What's happening, Abby? <laughs> are you good? I'm good. How are you? Amazing. You got a new hairstyle every day on week, huh? <laughs> no, I just change it up a little bit, but it's the same hairstyle. Come on. I'm about to say, I guess I need to uh I need to have dreads next week, right? <laughs> Change it up on y'all. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited for the week. I, I think we got some uh, good stuff planned for today. Hopefully people have some good questions mm-hmm. in the chat for us to kind of answer and stuff. Um, you know, so let's get on right into it. Right. I know we've run a little bit behind, um, you know, so Vic, go ahead and run our, uh, run our intro. Right. That's Hunter. Okay, we're back. Welcome everybody to Redline. I'm Abby Joseph, your tax strategist. Uh, and- oh, boom. And I'm Christopher Bush, financial advisor. <laughs> and uh, we're going to make it happen today. Yes, let's go. Come on, come on. So what <laughs> we got today? What we, uh, how are we going to start this? I don't know. We didn't even what talk about that line. We huh? should probably answer, let's answer a couple of questions and okay. then we can go straight to um, teaching. Okay, perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. I know yeah. you got a couple of them, a couple of them upright for you. Yeah, I think we have like one question. Not, okay. not, we had one question. Um, a question that we had was, um, let's see. Let's and I literally just. There you go. We put our question up here. Okay. So the question was, what type of deduction can a person who is single, no dependents, no properties, and no other known deduction to do decreased tax liability? has a six-figure salary. Come on. Mm. Ooh, that one's hard. Okay, so if you are if you, if you are single and you have no deduction, uh, no dependent, um, you're not investing, um, you don't have a business, your six-figure is basically W-2, basically earned income, there's nothing really you can deduct. So gotcha. you have an options of either itemize you can do itemized deduction or you can use the standard deduction. But um, with itemized deduction, you need to actually have um, more expense um, on the federal end, um, more more expense. Uh, if you have more than what your standard deduction is, then you can itemize. Because if your um, if your standard deduction is, is better for you, then most likely your accountant is going to say, hey, it's better that we use the standard deduction instead of itemize. Yeah. So there's not really much that you can do. There's nothing really you can deduct. Um, if you you don't own any properties, um, you don't own a home, um, you have no children, you're not married, you're single, and we at six figures. Yeah. There's perfect. Nothing. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just really just not very much that we can do, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's the part. That's the part that um, you know. I have a lot of clients that are high income earners. Um, but they're W-2 employees, you know, and the biggest thing is as your income starts to increase, 
you know, 250, 300,000, 400,000. Um, I was sitting down with one client, they make 600K, right? But the problem is with making 600,000 and you're only getting a W 2 income, I mean, you're getting hit, I mean, easily oh, with, you know, 37 percent right, 30, right? Yeah. and there's not very much like when you come there like crystal what can i do there's not very many things that you can do right yeah. um and, and i think that, again going back what we mentioned so many times on our show is that um that's why i really believe what comes to my clients as your income increases um as you get a great financial plan um and you've got to probably incorporate some type of business strategy to kind yeah. of get ahead uh, if, if you want to diversify, right? But again, you, we can yeah. get to a point to where you don't owe as much because if you are making a high income, it's great. So you don't have to do something extra, but you know, it, it's just it's just something that you always got to kind of keep in the back of your mind. What can I go do different, right? Um, yeah, got to have that business side hustle. I had um, I had a similar similar client, but she was she was a doctor, but she mm-hmm. was on a W two, but then she pivoted to being a contract doctor, so she became a traveling doctor, and um and they convert her from um a W two to a ten ninety nine, which was kind of yeah. great, but everything has its ups and downs, right? So with the ten ninety nine now. You want to make sure you're paying what we're going to discuss tonight, which is estimated tax, or let's convert that 1099 to an escort so that you're not taxed on the distribution. So I would say, yes, let's find let's find a a business or a side hustle um, to move. Let's move that income somewhere. I wouldn't even say business side hustle. If it is going to be a business side hustle, most likely I would say let's 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 go towards real estate. Because real estate has the best benefit, better, best tax benefit to realistically um, when we're looking at um, tax code. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, well, I guess that, that kind of kind of brings to interesting questions. And then, again, this is, um, uh, I guess, off the hip. You, you mentioned real estate and that's something that I do and I, I do enjoy and have real estate. Um, I think that's where I got my entrepreneur bug from. Uh, my dad, since I was a little boy, he, we've always done real estate. You know, he's always had a bunch of properties. And that's what I grew up doing. But I didn't really understand the benefit of having real estate probably till I was in college. Right. Um, you know, I guess it's, a, you know, per, you know, I guess not a, not even pertaining to the show. But, you know, for me, I understand it because, um, you know, I got recruited to play basketball um, at Tuskegee. Well, then uh, on, on signing day, the coach that recruited me got fired. I actually had an academic scholarship. Right. So once they took away that academic, um, you know, I didn't I didn't play my first two years. So I had to come in and actually pay twenty five, twenty six thousand dollars a year for Tuskegee. Right. But the biggest thing is that why I understand that having some type of additional stream of income um, is that, you know, my father, we ended up selling a couple of our properties that we had that we that we did together. And, uh, you know, I was able to pay for school, you know, so I, I think that those are the things that are, are helpful. But, you know, until you're getting to the place about the things that we're talking about tonight, you don't understand how powerful building wealth and building real estate, um, you know, and we, we, we'll talk about real estate investing. I guess that's another topic, right? Yeah. Um, that is so powerful to use. Again, not just, you know, we're thinking about college savings and college planning. Well, that's actually a huge college savings plan there that we traditionally yeah. don't talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And as real estate could be that. A business could be that um, to help expand your portfolio. Right. Um, so, you know, so but my question was, is there a way that people can I guess this is for both of us. Is there a way for people to get the tax benefits of owning real estate, but without actually owning it? Does that make sense? Um, you know, what about when it comes to like REITs or if it comes to 
um, different way. You know, there's different syndications online that you can always do to kind of be involved in a, a real estate transaction. But I guess they still wouldn't get the tax benefits on that. Right. No, no. So, so they, they need to physically own the property, not own a net. And they can't just be a part of a syndication. Right. Because a lot of people ask me, Chris, I don't I don't have time for real estate. But what if I what if I'm part of a syndication that I can put some money in that still doesn't give you the tax benefits of real estate? It doesn't, it doesn't because realistically, um, how are you receiving that income? Right. A lot of those people are receiving a 1099, which Correct. they are being taxed on self-employment tax on it. So yep. um, I would I would say the best tax code benefit for real estate is, is the passive income area, right? Yep. So you do have a W-2, you are working, right? But you use real estate for passive income. So the money that you are making from W-2, what are you doing with it, right? We're moving money. Remember, money was not, we have to see money. And this is why I said, I can't wait for us to start talking about having a relationship with money because you have to see money as what it is, which is a tool. So it's, it's not created to stay still. It needs to be moved. Right. Yeah. So if you are making that money in your W2, let's move that money. Let's move yeah. that money into assets into assets so we can create a balance sheet. Right. Let's yeah. move it into assets and let's try to find passive income. Passive income is the best income. It's my favorite right. income, y'all. Besides yeah. portfolio income, passive income is amazing income. And passive income has the most tax benefits Come on. than any other income. Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think Alani actually have a question early on um, in the chat. It says, um, you know, if I flip a house and walk away from closing the closing table with 50,000 in profit, what expenses can I deduct from that 50,000 of capital gains? Um, the home was bought and sold through my LLC. You know, read that one so more time. If he, so if he, if you, if if he flip a house and walk away with a closing of fifty thousand, so whatever expense, like um, sales expense, like say for an example, um, if you had a realtor that you had to hire, so you have sale expense. You can also deduct um, any um, improve improvement that you've done in that property, right? Um, if you had to pay sales tax, so you can actually deduct, you can, there's a lot you can deduct Lonnie. There's a lot that you can deduct from, um, from that to lower that, um, that 50,000. So then like you're not, taxed, yeah, you're not taxed so high on it. Yeah, but, there, but, but, but part, but I mean, I guess as a whole, does that capital gains, um, I'm asking is uh, if I was then right, that, that, that $50,000 still counts as a, a full capital gains, but you were just able to knock it down based on our other expenses that happened within yeah. that transaction. So, right? Yeah. So let's just say, um, we have $10,000 worth of deductions, right? Um, that $10,000 is going to be, um, subtracted from the 50. So his total, um, capital gains on that, um, transaction is going to be 40,000. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So Perfect. that's the goal. Yeah. Perfect. Just make sure Lonnie, you keep, you kept your receipts and everything and discuss with your accountant. Um, so then you can actually make those um, deductions to lower Good that deal. capital gain. Good deal. Perfect. Yay. Um, all Did right, you so have we, any other questions? Not here. We got, um, we got to make sure that everybody, you know, use our email um, for us because I'm um, or Instagram either way, but use our email. Make sure you guys are emailing us at help at the come up series.co. Um, to make sure we're getting some questions answered, right? Because that's that's part that's the biggest part of our show that we're that Abby and I are doing is that we want to make sure that you guys are getting questions answered, and we're just not, you know, we're gonna have our tailored teaching of things that we want to bring up, but we really want to really focus our you know our episodes and our show based off you guys' questions because we you know the more questions that you guys ask, 
it's a huge learning environment for everybody, right? Um, you know, we want to make sure that things are um, kind of moving along, but we're going to get into our curriculum and stuff like that. So, um, Abby, you want to kick us off on curriculum stuff tonight or um, sure. you want me to go on mine? Sure. No, I, I'll, I'll be happy to kick you guys off. But oh, um, but I do agree with you because it is your scenarios that we're, that helps us put together um, um, how to teach you guys. So don't be shy about um, letting us know what what are you going through right now when it comes to taxes or financial um, yeah. financial wise so we can help you guys. Okay? Yeah. I mean, things you things you heard or things you see, you know, it, it, it could even be, you know, a couple of things. I know somebody sent me like different other YouTube videos. You want to send them, hey, look, can you talk about this? This guy's did. I mean, we, yeah. that's the part we really want to kind of get engaged with um, to have some good dialogue and break some, you know, we can be like Mythbusters sometime, right? We'll have a Mythbusters episode uh, about what it is and what about it was it isn't. So um, guys, <laughs> make sure you uh, send us those, send us those, uh, those emails. Yeah. So boom, let's go, Abby. All right. Awesome. So tonight, what I want to talk to you guys about is estimated tax, right? What is estimated tax? Um, who needs to pay estimated tax? Um, how much do you need to pay and where and how often do you um, do you need to pay estimated tax? So estimated tax is used to pay not only income tax, but other taxes such as self-employment tax and alter alternative um, minimum tax. So I want to and I love going straight to IRS publications because it makes things more easier. Go here. There you go. Um, You're trying to get people used to reading the, the whole. Yes. Sometimes you go on IRS, right? But sometimes you, you're getting people used to reading the IRS and what's on it. You know, sometimes yes. people skim over it or we'll go to other websites. No, we'll do IRS, Google right? University. No, I don't. I really want you guys to stray away. Um, one of the things that um, I think I found that was a little, not a little bit, but it was disturbing this year, this year during tax season. I had so many questions this year that was based on what influencers said on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, what they read in Google. So I want a lot of what I teach you guys. I want to go straight to IRS.gov because I want to be, I want it to be so little of my opinion but what the publication is saying you can and can't do. So then you're not really saying, Abby said this, but publication 505 said this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, estimated tax. So now estimated tax, tax must be paid. I think one of the biggest reason um, um, issues that I find is that um, as, as an entrepreneur, as a self-employment, and even some of you guys that are on W-2, I think we, we misunderstand how uh, our responsibility when it comes to taxes. As you earn money, you're supposed to pay tax. So let's, let's use a perfect example with your W-2. Let's just say you get paid bi-weekly. So every two weeks, you pay in taxes. If you get paid every week, well, every week you pay in taxes. That goes the same if you are self-employed. If you're running a business or, you know, you're self-employed um, um, or you are a contractor, you actually are supposed to pay tax as you get paid, okay? So, but I was like, listen, we understand that you, you don't have to actually pay bi-weekly or every week, but you can actually do quarterly. So taxes must be paid as you earn or receive income during the year. Um, I think we get spoiled out of the idea that we're not a W-2. Um, so we just we just put taxes aside. But realistically, you're supposed to be paid, you're supposed to be paying taxes as you earn income. So if the amount of income tax withheld from your salary 
or pension is not enough, or if you receive income such as interest, dividends, alimony, self-employment uh, income, um, capital gains, prize, and rewards, you may have to pay estimated tax payments. So my biggest thing tonight is for you guys, entrepreneurs or um, um, small business owners, I found a lot of clients this year that were um, on, I'll speak to some of my traveling nurse, some of my contractors that received 1099s. So you, you making 200, 300, even five to $600,000 on a 1099 and you didn't make any estimated tax. Now you are paying tax in the back end. As a W-2 um, employee, you pay tax in the front end. As um, those other individuals, as a subcontractor, you're paying tax in the back end. Not only are you paying tax in the back end, you're paying tax twice. Um, so you're paying um, individual federal tax and you're paying self-employment tax. All right. So if you are a, um, if you are in business for yourself, you generally need to make estimated tax payment. Estimated tax is used to pay not only your own income tax, but other other taxes such as self-employment tax and, like I said, alternative tax. So if you don't pay enough, right, if you don't pay enough, you need, if you don't pay enough taxes throughout the year, you want to make sure that you are keeping up with your estimated tax. Okay, so who must who must pay estimated tax? We said, we said earlier, individuals, and that includes sole proprietors. That's like um, sole proprietors, single member LLCs, um, contractors, um, S-Corp shareholders. Um, those are individuals that are required to pay self-employment tax. All right. Now, who does not have to pay estimated tax? If you receive salary and wages, you can avoid having to pay estimated tax by asking your employer, you know, to withhold more taxes from your earnings. That's another issue that I saw, too. On, on W-2, a lot of people was not paying enough tax. So it's important that you do reach out to your human resource and just tweak your W-4 a little bit. I always say it's always good to look at your, um, your W-4 around October, November, just to make sure that you look at your W-4 um, um, your W-4 and you look at your W-2s, right? Your, your most up-to-date paycheck and to see if you are paying enough tax. So if you're not, then at least it gives you an opportunity for the last quarter to make an estimated tax payment. All right. So always want to look at your W-2. So how do you figure um, your estimated tax? That's usually easy. Um, you want to use the estimated tax calculator um, and you want to also speak with your accountant. Don't wait till December. One of the biggest things I find that um, that we do is that we wait, we wait, we wait till December. Taxation month. is a year round. Taxation is a year round. Taxation is not between January to April. It's not. If you are looking at taxation between December, between January to April, you late. There's not much as your accountant that I can do right? Um, because the planning aspect of taxation has already passed, right? So we should have been talking around um, July, August, which is planning time. And then I would say, hey, listen, um, you are a contractor, all right? We need to set you up for estimated tax. Or we could have the conversation of, hey, listen, if you are an individual, if you are a subcontractor or you are under a 1099 and you're making 60, 70 or more, then we could have the conversation of electing as an escort, right? So 
I'll use a perfect um, example. I had a client last year who made $450,000 as a contractor, right? He worked for the government and he made $450,000 as a contractor. He received a 1099. So my poor brother had to pay 30, what, 20, 30% plus 15.3, 52% of his income was taxed. Wow. That's heartbreaking. So, but we could have had that conversation around July. Hey, you have options. I love options. You have options. You could do estimated tax or, or let's elect as an escort because with the escort, you're not taxing the distribution, right? The entity yeah. itself is not taxed. So we could use a perfect example. I love a calculator because the calculator is my favorite tool. Let's just say he made that $400,000. Let's just say out of the $400,000, he paid himself $250,000. That $250,000 was on W-2, right? That $250,000 was on W-2. So he's already paying taxes on the um, the $250,000. So we have $150,000 left. Out of the two, out of the $150,000, let's put $60,000 on a solo 401k or SEP. Right. That leaves us with ninety thousand dollars. And um, with the ninety thousand dollars, let's just say we have thirty thousand dollars worth of expense deduction. So now we're deducting thirty thousand dollars. That leaves me with sixty thousand dollars that I'm going to be taxed on the federal. Yeah. So. So. And that's I mean, so what if, you know, you talked about earlier on our real estate side, um, if that's the same thing. If you have additional money that's that you may potentially pay to IRS. How could you go and say, okay, okay, maybe I can buy a property, I can buy something else, and actually depreciate even more? Say that one more time. If you can get it, if you can have additional tax deduction, right, yeah. or additional expense by investing in real estate, if you still have additional money left over, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna pay it to the IRS, okay, we got to go buy something. Because realistically, right, that 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 ninety five thousand dollars that he had to pay to the IRS, yeah. we could do so much. We could have done so much with that money. Yeah. We could have done so much money with that money. So I say to you, planning is everything. So when you look either, and even with estimated tax, I'm not, not that I'm not a fan of estimated tax. I feel like I like to know uh, everyone's scenario is different. We may go to the estimated tax route, or it may be better to just do um, the S-Corp because yeah. S-Corp eliminates the 15.3. Yeah. So now all you would be responsible for is what? The $60,000 on a federal level. So yeah. the $60,000 on a federal level puts us where in the tax bracket? At a huge lower tax liability, right? Yes, yeah. Yes, so when it comes also, um, you want to make sure you use the calculator when to pay your estimated tax. So there's four payment periods, guys, that you want to make sure that you are aware of. Those four payment periods, um, I usually like to start at the fourth quarter. Don't ask me why. So between September to De December 31st, so January 15th needs to be your um, 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 your first payment. January 15th, then um, January 1st till March 31st is due on April 15th. So next week, your first your estimated tax is going to be due. All right. So you also have from April to May, June 15 is um, is when your next estimated is due. And from June 1st to August 31st, you have your September 15th. So you um, so it's four quarter in a year and you want to make sure that you do. Here's another thing. Let's just say you were supposed to pay estimated tax yeah. and you didn't. When your accountant completes your tax return, guess what is added into the return? Wow. Estimated tax penalty. 
you are charged a penalty for not paying your estimated tax. And not only that, let's use that $95,000 example again, who has $95,000 sitting somewhere to give IRS. So let's just say you don't have the $95,000 to pay. What are we stuck with now? We're accumulating interest, which is 5%. And IRS accumulate interest daily, Christopher, daily. Come on. Daily. So you're paying this huge interest, which is 5% of this $95,000, and you're getting charged a penalty. So it's very important that you are paying your estimated tax on time. Very, very, very important, guys, okay? So like I said, penalty for underpayment of estimated tax is um, does, does really, 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 really hit you bad, okay? So let me ask so, you this. On, on, well, before you go, on the estimated taxes, um, is that something for, and I'm, again, I'm asking for it for the community, right? Is that something that your CPA, your account, they should be keeping up with that for you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's the biggest thing of why you need to have a, a tax strategist. You need to have a CPA or accountant. Like they should be keeping up. Th- that That's their job, right? That's something that it, as a business owner, you shouldn't have to think about, hey, yeah. all these things, right? That's why we have to have a team in place. You know, so me as an advisor, you as a t- tax strategist, like we have to have those pieces together because that should be automatic from from um, fr- from your account. That should be automatic. Hey, look, April 15 comes around. We understand that there's this bill needs to be paid. This bill needs to be paid. Right. I mean, and be some, like, like that part is huge that you have to get those things off your plate, but have a team together to put that in force for you. Yes. So one of the good question, Antonio says, so if you are a day trader, you need to be paying your taxes um, early. If you are a day trader, I'm going to give you guys I'm going to give you guys a gym. And that's not just for day traders, right? For for all of you, for um, our contractors, or um, uh, what do we call them? Contractors, self-employed, solo um, proprietors. If you are making a, a lump sum of money, right? If you're making good amount of money, create a saving account and call that account tax. Yeah. Create a saving account and take a percentage. Like I'm gonna be 100 with you. I pay full transparency. I pay estimated tax. So one of my account is from a stop. One of my account is a tax account. So every every quarter, I don't have to take money from my operation account to pay that. It yeah, literally sure. comes from the tax account. So it yeah. automatically um, it's a recur. It automatically comes out from the tax account. So as a trader, right? If you're making good amount of money in the stock market. Oh, use that saving account, right? A lot of my realtors, we do that. A lot of my realtors, they do that. So they put away 20%, right, in the tax account, and they make their quarterly estimated payment. That's what I would suggest for you, Antonio, as as a day trader. Yeah. And that's huge. So if you're setting aside in that account at 20%, you know, I guess sometimes people, well, Chris, I got got cash that's sitting. I got cash that's sitting. It needs to grow. Well, again, some, not all accounts have to have a growth feature to it, right? No. Now, but however, with rates right now, honestly, right, there's there's different type of money markets that we can use. There's, again, we talked about earlier, there's different, um, you know, you can even do it like a CD ladder, you can do a T-bill ladder, you can do um, different conservative places to where, okay, you may be able to squeeze out a 2 to a 5% interest um, on that money during that time. If you do, great. If you don't, it's okay as well. The, the yeah. biggest peace of mind that you got to have is that that money is that 20 percent is there and it's automatically off the top. You're not spending it. And um, it's 100 percent ready to go. You're not stressed. You're not stressed. At the end of the year, you're not taking a lump sum yeah. out of your money to pay IRS. That's, That's like 
like my my realtors, especially my realtors, when they do this at the end of the year, it's a relief. The, it's yeah. and, and it's never as much as they pay yeah. realistically. It's never exactly, and that yeah. money can be rolled in and go to the next one. I know yeah. I wanted to scroll up, or I saw a question from Mark. He, he threw out a question, right? Um, you know, he's gonna always throw out something. Is that how <laughs> would you prepare yourself when your company? Um, is about to be acquired tax wise, and after the checks clear, what should we put that? What should we put that capital? Now, I'm assuming it's okay if it's if Mark. I'm assuming it's if if it's a company that you own, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get, let's say, you're getting a buyout, and they're giving you a lump sum check. I believe, right? Is that probably what what he's asking? Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a check mm-hmm. for that that transaction. Um, now that whole transaction is a form of a capital gains, yeah. correct? So, you know, I, I think I have a way, but uh, I guess we can kind of talk about it. Well, what are some of the things? How can we prepare? How can somebody prepare themselves for that type of uh, windfall? Um, I would say to um, one to put a portion of it aside um, for tax. It's so funny. We're so focused on making money, which I love. Right. Um, yeah. The idea is to make money. But Uncle Sam has to have their piece. As long as you have that in your the back of your mind, whenever you make money or whenever you come up with a lump sum, um, depending on what type of income it was, um, Uncle Sam's going to have their piece. So the, what I would say the best way to prepare about that, you want to inform one, your accountant in advance. So then your accountant can go over the options that are available to you. Right. Um and maybe it's it's an opportunity where, you know, you already at a high tax liability. Let's move that money. Let's move that money prior to tax season. Let's move that money to some pre-tax contribution. I'm probably telling you, you need to speak with Christopher. I'm probably telling you, hey, have you ever thought about real estate investment? You know, we're we're we're, we're putting together a, a dialogue so we can see what is going to be in your best option to not have to give IRS a lot of that money. Yeah, and, and there's and there's and I guess there's another way we can even look at it. So um, there's some a couple of different tax strategies. Again, this is I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not a tax advisor, I'm a CPA. But again, my job as an advisor, I'm kind of like a quarterback. But if somebody's selling a business or selling a company, right? There, there's also maybe you can use um, our um, IRC code 453. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. 450. Yeah, IRC 453 code, right? Um, you know, otherwise call it deferred sales trust. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know we haven't talked a lot of the, about that, um, but on one of our upcoming shows, I will bring uh, one of my colleagues that you know we kind of do business together um, to, to, to facilitate a sale, right? Because there's a way for you to um, have a sale of a business, a lump sum or a windfall, um, but have but have a trust involved to where you can actually push push those um, capital gains into the trust and not pay taxes on a sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, however, when you start to withdraw money from that trust account, then you would pay taxes on what you withdraw, mm-hmm. but not on the total amount. So that's, you know, that's kind of going, but that's called like a deferred sales trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a thing called a Delaware sales trust, which is totally yeah. different. Um, but that's additional way for business owners to um, actually shield themselves. Again, you're not, you're still gonna have to pay taxes, but you can push that taxes yeah. down the line. I kind of mm-hmm. like it like a 401k, yeah. right? That you put money inside of a 401k, but it's tax deferred. So you mm-hmm. only pay money when you pull it out. Um, oh. So that's another kind of strategy that you can use. Um, but you have to have the right team involved to put that in place. Like that is a deal to where you got to be, you know, liquid sales. Like it's got to be set up correctly to do a deferred sales trust um, and to eliminate those, you know, again, not eliminate the taxes. But again, you can actually push those taxes on onto the trust. And then when you take distributions from the trust, that's the only time that you would need to pay capital gains on that. Um, but um, that's kind of like a summary. But uh, Mark, that's also another way that you can kind of prepare yourself tax wise and not have to give up really all that money up front. 
right? And then the other side of it, money that you do need, again, it's going to go into a financial plan. It's going to go into, okay, the next business that we're looking for, or it's going to go into, okay, well, if I'm ready to retire now or be financially independent, okay, well, there's going to be different accounts to where I want to make sure I can get income for life on, right? So I, I think that it's a lot of different ways you want to talk about um, it's, you know, that's, that's one of the ways that I've, you know, we've done, um, previously is on a deferred sales trust. So, uh, um, it's also amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Ron say taking tax advice from influencers will get you clapped by uncle's guests. <laughs> like, like yeah, just, it's red flags. Yeah, um, I, I don't be honest with you. I, I don't really think that it's just like, it's not necessarily like influencers are bad because at the end of the day, I mean, we're kind of, we're on social media, we're influencers, yeah. I guess, but <laughs> you know, I guess we could be kind of, so I, I just think that it's, it's about understanding the whole story. Yes. Right. Um, because again, a lot of times we're, 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 we're with Instagram, with social media, even with us on YouTube, like we'll talk about ideas, but that idea, that idea has to be, it has to be complete. OK, because yeah. sometimes we only talk about part of the strategy. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't give anybody the background on how the strategy came about. So it's not just that the, the advice from influencers are bad. It's just that you have to know the whole story. Right. You just can't say, hey, look, well, I heard this and I needed to apply it to my personal situation. Sometimes yeah. your personal situation is not going to not aligned. Exactly. It's not that the influencer did something wrong or they said something bad. It's just that it doesn't work for your personal plan yet or it may not work for your plan at all right and we got to learn the full story in those details right? right um let's see abby please tell us how to pay 700 in taxes like good old donald trump i'm ready to make moves i actually want to pay half of that well i'm gonna give you a little story donald trump accountant is in prison <laughs> donald trump is not in prison but his accountant is on prison so i can't be your donald trump accountant <laughs> right <laughs> Ron say well, if you, what you're saying you gotta have a fall boy. Listen, exactly. No, thank you. <laughs> if you work a W-2, let me see. Okay, Ron has a question. If you work a W-2 and a 1099 to do extra withholding on the W-2 every two weeks to cover most of all of your 1099 tax liability, you must know your numbers. So oh, it won't work. Just my thought. That's true. Yeah, I would, again, if somebody has W two income and they have ten ninety nine income on that ten ninety nine ten ninety nine income, just say twenty. Whatever you make on that ten ninety nine income per month, just say twenty percent. Put that in a separate account, yeah, and that's yeah. your, that will cover it. So it's not about you know you don't need to manage your W two you know withholdings or you know withholdings or elections on that side, right? You know it's not about the W two side; it's about the ten ninety nine side. So yeah. if you're getting paid from ten ninety nine, having an account, take twenty percent off the top. Whatever you get paid, put that in a separate account, right? And then at the end of the year, it'll all come out together the way you need yeah. to be. And that pretty much answers Veronica's question. I would put between fifteen to twenty percent aside. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like, like it's like, man, dang, you don't get paid nothing. When I get paid, I gotta take off twenty percent. Like it just when it gets started getting chopped up. Right? Every time I look at my numbers, I'd be like, listen, when can I go home? back home? Come on. Right. <laughs> Where can I go back home? <laughs> is, that what, is that what you said for Veronica, right? So that so yes, what, what percent about fifteen to twenty percent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what else we got? Is that all? You is it? That's huh? all I have you guys for you guys when oh, it comes okay. to estimated taxes. Cool. Yeah. So I think so for me today, you know, there was a question about um, I was going back, you know, I was talking to Mark and he was like, man, you haven't answered all the questions um, that came in. I'm like, well, I thought, I, you know, we've had quite a yeah. bit of them. However, uh, one of our good friends, Miss Beverly, um, she's actually been keeping like a running tally. Right. So <laughs> of uh, different questions and topics that come up during the show. 
So I went back to like the first bullet point that she had. You know, I know we talked about this briefly, but I kind of want to hit on another point because this week I actually had two of these examples. Okay. okay. So she so it, she talked. She said there was a question about uh, employer sponsored plans to break down the different investments and investment types and how to choose it. Right. Um, because again, and if you have an employer sponsored plan, okay, or yeah, a retirement plan from your job. You know, you're going to get multiple investment options. OK. And what I found out um, what this question is about this client is particularly they have like a target date fund. OK. okay. Um, so one thing that I want to give everybody homework on is if you have a retirement account, 401k, 403b, 457 TSP. Right. I want you to go inside and number one, make a note of what you're invested in. OK. Because if you're sitting, if you're putting in money, we got to know what is invested in. So one thing that you one way that you can invest money. Let me see if I can pull up my um, my deal real quick. Uh, I can make a slideshow. Why is my slideshow coming up? Okay, maybe I'm gonna do it this way. All right. One way, again, we have a target dated fund. And, you know, I know we talked about this briefly, but we're gonna go over it one more time. Uh, okay. So on a target dated fund, if you guys don't know, right, because most of the time when you have a 401k plan, this is like the first thing, this is like the, the you know, like the, the, the default option is going to be in a target date. OK, so what happens like if there's a target dated fund and it says that you're going to be retired in like 2050. OK, so what happens is heavily invested in equities in the beginning. But the closer that you get towards 2050, right, it's going to be transitioned to more fixed income investments, right? So it starts off aggressive, then it automatically gets more conservative. Okay. okay. So one thing that I want to kind of let people understand is, is when we're looking at um, when we're looking at target dated funds, um, we got to understand that we have more options inside of our 401k. Okay? okay. So this is what I pulled up from one of my clients today. Right. So I don't know if how, how I can blow that up. Maybe I need to blow it up on my side. Right. OK. I don't know. I don't know how this works. OK. So if we if we look at this, this is like in, in power. And again, this is not a um, this is not investment advice, guys. I'm just going over an example. Right. So don't think that this pertains to you. Don't quote you. Don't quote right? you. <laughs> example on how things work. So what I want to show you guys is when you look at the option. So in, inside of your 401k, right, or your report, you're going to have a link that's going to show you all the investment options that you have, right? Well, most people are going to be in a target dated fund if you not have customized it before uh, for yourself before. OK, so when we're looking at target dated funds, I want you guys to understand, you know, again, they're not bad, but it just set it and forget it type funds. But I'm honestly, I don't like sometimes I'm not really a big fan of the performance all the time. Okay. Mm, okay. So, so when we're looking at the this line here, it says a 10 year inception, okay, of a fund. Can y'all y'all may not even can see that. Can y'all see that? How can I, I can it? see it. It's tiny, but it's it's okay. Okay, cool. So so let's just look at it. Somebody was like, you know, they set a target dated fund of 2050, uh 2050. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we're going all the way over here and we're looking at the 10 year returns, right? Or since inception, um, mm -hmm. this has been inception since boom, 2011, since inception is about 8.28% rate of return. Okay. Right. So again, so it, again, it's a decent fund. Boom. That's what it's done mm -hmm. over the last, you know, since 2011. But however, inside of every single body's, everybody's 401k, right? You're going to have options outside of that to where you can customize your own portfolio, right? I think I've talked about before. It's a difference from having, you know, the easy Mac and cheese with you had when you add water versus you building a portfolio yourself right now and i don't suggest you build it by yourself because i use different tools on my side to do the research in my client's 401k plan 
I'll put all their funds that are available. I'll put it into software. I'll do an extensive analysis. Okay, what funds should we use based on their age, their risk tolerance? We do all of that when I'm with my clients. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is even not something that you can. A lot of you guys can do by yourself, right? But if you if you have some 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 good software and a professional uh, like myself to work through this with you, you can come up with a great portfolio. Okay. Um, so, so even if you just look at from a large cap perspective, okay. So, from a large cap perspective, this growth fund with Putna, right, has averaged like a fourteen point two five percent rate of return since like two thousand twelve, right. So, if you're in a targeted fund, it's getting like an eight percent versus you can say, hey, I can just choose this one, you know, um, large cap fund as, as average of fourteen percent. That's a huge difference over time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. If you, if you if you look at any of the most of the you know from a small cap, mid cap, mm -hmm. um, large cap option, most of the individual funds will perform have or have a history of performing um, a lot better than targeted funds in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. So see, that's why it's, it's so important. Um, it's so um, important to see if okay, how can we really build a portfolio and customize a fund that fits you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so think, think about this. I'm going to kind of show you um, just on a calculator how like important that is. Right. The big difference. So let me share one more thing on here. Uh, let me share my screen one more time. So that why you share your screen. So what you're saying is, listen, I'm going to pull up my 401k and I'm going to look at which is performing the best. And yeah. I can just move the majority of my funds to what is performing the best. No. Uh it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of sort of yes, but it's not that simple because just because, okay, I'm just going to pick the best funds that have a 10 year track record or yeah. on that one. So it's to, for me, when I'm, when I'm doing an analysis, it's going to be more going into it than that. Okay. okay. Um, because I want to look at the mix. I want to make sure, do I have, what, what, um, what small caps am I using? What mid caps mm -hmm. am I using? Am I going to use some international? Right. It may not be the best performing fund per se on a percentage wise, but it maybe it fits that mix right now. Right. Maybe okay. it's based on the, 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 the state of the market right now. Does that make sense? Yes, so perfect. it's just not about the past because past performance doesn't always predict and will not predict future gains. Absolutely. OK, um, but it, it's just it's kind of like a benchmark for us. So that's why it's just more than just picking up like the best funds on the backside. Because sometimes I may not pick the best fund that's been on a 10 year track record. Sometimes, OK, well, I know enough about the managers. I know enough about this fund that maybe performed well over the last three years. I may pick that one. So it really depends on a lot of different things. And that's where it's so important to where you use, you know, you work with an advisor um, or you use the proper tools to build that portfolio. OK. But what I wanted to kind of show is this, just just how it makes a difference over time. OK. How allocating your portfolio over time. And not just your 401k, but all the different type of accounts that we've always talked about, the allocation of those portfolios are so important. OK, so let's look at it here. So let's just say if somebody's brand new from a 401k and let's say that they're um, let's say that we're investing for a 30 year period. OK, and let's mm -hmm. say that portfolio is getting like a 8.28 percent rate of return. We'll say an 8 percent rate of return. OK, um, well, I'll say 8 point. Um, 8.28 because that's the one on 2050 fund is done. Right. Um, and we'll say somebody's contributing maybe $500 a month to that account, to their 401k. Okay. Right. So when we're looking at that, let me bring it up here. When we're looking at that over a 30 year period, that's about $742,000 um, that it would actually achieve. Okay. Which is good. However, just, just, and again, this is just an example. This Again, this is not a perfect world, but I want to let you show you guys the impact of working with an advisor or 
making sure that you have a customized portfolio, what a big difference it can make. Okay. So what if we're able to build a portfolio and I'm just going to use something simple. I'll say, okay, like this one fund here with Vanguard, it's a dividend appreciation fund. It's averaged like 11.24% rate of return. Uh, actually, let me give you one since this one. So this fund here that I'm looking at since mm -hmm. 1993. Okay. Um, this is the, it's an, it's an Osher fund. It's averaged a 12.21% rate of return since 1993. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Right. Which is pretty decent. Okay. Yeah. Well, think about this. So again, all the same amount of, all the same amount of money per month mm -hmm. of you using a target data fund in mm -hmm. this case, hypothetically, you using a fund that's actually up that another fund that's available inside your 401k you would have pretty much have doubled your money. Exactly. Right. That's $1.5 million versus 742. Just by understanding what funds to pick, just by understanding mm -hmm. your risk tolerance, by understanding, okay, well, I can't just pick what the company gave me. The company never gave you, you never had a conversation with your, with an advisor at the 401k, right? They, they never put together a customized portfolio, right? So when people tell me, Right. Oh, well, you know, I just I just kind of picked I just kind of picked what they gave me. Well, it, it's more than that to it. OK, that can make a huge difference. Right. Um, and then I, I think the last part of that as well is that not only just understanding your options inside your plan um, with your, your baseline um, uh, options, with your large cap, mid cap, small cap specialties and other investments. But sometimes mm -hmm. your 401k plan may have a self-directed option. Right. Okay. To where, OK, well, what, what if you want exposure just to Apple stock or you want exposure um, to Tesla, you want exposure to individual positions, you can mm -hmm. actually have that inside your 401k, you know, but again, most of my clients that I, that, that I do these, um, these consultations with is they have no clue that that yeah. could, that can even be a possibility. Yeah. Right. And that's to be that, that could be the difference, right? If somebody's saving $200 a month, right. And they've been working there for 20 years, they could have had double the money, which would increase their guaranteed income if they would have understand their options. Okay. Um, I, re I remember, um, <laughs> I remember in two, what was this? Uh, this was 2013, Abby, I'm sorry, um, 2018. Um, I had a client, she, she, um, she was retiring from LA County. She said, Chris, I don't understand my, my, uh, my plan has not been growing since I've really been there. Okay. Well, come to, this is the first time I met her. She's already mm -hmm. been working there over 20 plus years about to retire. When I looked at her statement, I found out that she was just in the stable value fund for her entire career. Wow. So basically, she was in a money market fund her entire career, had around mm -hmm. 200 some thousand dollars saved up. She was a great saver, but nobody ever explained it to her. Wow. Um, unfortunately, she never, grow that money. Oh. she never maybe reached out to any advisor, maybe not attended the seminars, um, but yeah. she was just constantly just saving, saving, saving. But to save $200,000 pretty much, in, like, that's good money. Yeah. So when I showed her, if she would have understood what we went over tonight, she would have had over eight hundred thousand to a million dollars in her portfolio because the way she was saving. Yeah. Right. So, I, yeah. you know, that's again, that's one of the biggest homework pieces that I want everybody to do uh, with their plan. If they have not done a review of what their current 401k plan offers um, as far as their funds with inside of it and just not being, you know, OK, I'm just going to only do the self uh, the, the the target dated funds and look at your other options and don't pick all of them, right? I had one client, um, she had like literally 18 funds inside the 401k. Oh, wow. Okay, so we don't need to choose every single fund that they offer, right? More than likely, this is me, Abby. When I'm looking at a portfolio, 
you know, I'll probably the most I will ever kind of put inside a portfolio is maybe six funds at the most. Right. And that that, well, it's good to be able to manage them because you want to be able to to do research and in, in those in, in, in those securities. Yeah. Right. So. So, again, so the, the biggest thing is like, you know, again, you don't overwhelm like any in any about mm -hmm. any portfolio. We talk yeah. about diversification a lot, but guys, you don't have to have 18 or 10 funds inside your 401k plan, right? No, you no. don't have to have that many funds inside your, your other personal, um, how does this work with uh, annuity funds? How? So, okay, hold on, let me get to that, Greg. Um, it, again, so it, it's about concentration sometimes, yeah. right? So that's why at most six funds, a lot of times I'm only going to probably use four in almost 80% of the time, I'm only using three funds, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if somebody's just now starting brand new, I probably maybe only choose one. So see, those are the things that, you know, you're not going to get from your employer necessarily. If you just go pick it by yourself, just don't always don't get overwhelmed with just doing, um, um, you know, all every single open ended fund that you that you think that performs well. Like it's it's a it's a it's a definitely a science to it. OK. <laughs> and uh, that's what we're here for. Right. To make yeah, it happen. To make it happen. To make it happen. So I think we had some questions on that. Make uh, what makes what we Boom. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. So we're both fully, you know, we're both licensed to do this, right? <laughs> Not just influencers with no license. That's why some stuff I can't even talk about. I don't. <laughs> stay away from them. The company I work for doesn't match my full 401k or Roth, but Robinhood does match 1% on IRA and Roth. Should I allocate my funds there instead? Mm. It depends. Yeah, it right. depends. So I don't think it's an either or scenario. It's, it's, I'm sorry. It's not a um, either. No. If one is better yeah. than the other. Right. You can use both. Yeah. I'm getting, giving you yeah. something, right? You can have both. You can have a situation where you can do both. Okay. Yeah. So if, you're, if, you're for, if your company does not match, right, but you still need a tax deduction, Abby, I would still tell somebody to contribute yeah. to the 401k because your Roth IRA is not going to give you a tax deduction, right? right? If you make too much money, even putting the money into a traditional IRA, it's not going to give you a tax deduction. So yeah. sometimes I'll tell a client, even if you don't, even if they don't match, yeah. but if you if you owe the IRS and your W-2 employee, yeah. you don't have a business, you don't have any other type of deductions, yes, I would contribute to your just, 401k. Just leave it to your, yeah, just leave it to your job 401k. How, but but mm -hmm. I would also put some towards the Roth IRA, of course. So yeah. you can't get a match right on your IRA. So I would it, it would be both. Right. I would do a little bit to my company so I can get a tax deduction. But I would still max out my Roth for my Roth IRA. Right. Because it's free money. If somebody's going to give me free money, I'm going to take it. Okay? <laughs> Any day. Right. I'm going to take Any it. Day. Brandon right. had a good question. Was it Brandon? What was it? When investing in startups, will it be better to use an LLC or an IRA? Hmm. Okay. So when investing in startups, is it better to use an LLC or IRA? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I need some more detail on the question, but. Yeah. Why you would you want to use an IRA though? <laughs> well, let me ask you. So kind of like what we talked oh, about last episode. investing in it? Well, so let's just say this. So let's say if you have um, what we talked about last episode, like with a self-directed IRA. Let's say if somebody did, if you had a business that you did want to invest in, let's call it real estate, right? Yeah. We talked about this last week, right? If, if you have a business that you want to invest in, like real estate, somebody can use a self-directed IRA to invest into that business. Yeah, you can. Okay, right? So you can use it, you know, you can do that. Now, when it comes to an LLC, I guess what's better, I mean, LLC, it just is not, you're not. Um, okay, so. You're not putting a box, you're not putting a box. With an IRA, you got to put the profits back into the IRA. Yeah. You can't, right. you can't take it out or you're going to yeah. get a penalty. Yeah. With an LLC, you can do whatever you want with the process. It's your money. But yeah. with also, too, with an LLC, uh, uh, there's two things, right? There's two things what an LLC does. 
Um, if you ever ask a business attorney, they'll tell you what an LLC does is two things. One is a protection. It's a limited liability, right? It protects your personal asset. Two is a tax benefit. That's it. The IRA, if you want to use that IRA, realistically, your money, I won't say isn't bondage. Your money is in a place where um, you, you, you can't, it's not accessible. Yeah. It's not accessible for you to take whenever you want. Yeah. You can, but then you get penalized. So I would, I would say look into a scenario, but if I, if I did my startup, my startup is going to be under an LLC, yeah. not my IRA personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's based on the situation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah situation instance, so let me, I'll kind of give you another story. Like I did have a client that they were retiring from their job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they had over half a million dollars in their company 401k. Okay. So okay. what we did, we actually rolled that money over into a self-directed IRA because they were wanting to retire from their job, but they wanted to actually um, invest into a franchise. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So what? And what? So what? The good part about it is, is now they didn't have to use money, other money, or cash, anything else. They didn't have a lot more, but they have. They could use their IRA, their self-directed yep. IRA, and to invest into that franchise, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to get any penalties or taxes by using that money. Exactly. Okay. So she was able to use over $100,000 to invest in her new business, in her mm-hmm. franchise, using her IRA. But again, they still had an LLC yeah. uh, separately to use as well. Right. So, yeah. I mean, again, all of these things work the same. It's a lot of times with finances, it's not one answer. It's basically a solution that comes together. And okay? it's not just a solution that comes together. It's what is it's. I always find it like it's a journey, right? What is your journey? Because my journey and Chris' journey is different, right? So even though we may want the same thing, but we may not want it in the same route. So every every individual scenario is going to be different. Yeah. So I always say it's so important you as an individual sit with your accountant and to sit with your financial advisor and be like, this is my scenario. This is my yeah. This is what I want. This is my goal. This is where I want to go. And then yeah. you can actually create that portfolio that looks just like you. Yeah. 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 That's, that's I, wish we, I, wish, I wish Mark would like come up with some AI deal to do all this, you know, automatically, you know? <laughs> Mark, you're going to come up, you're going to come up with this AI to just like do everybody's tax return. So I could take like two months off. Come on. No, it's, it's gonna, we're gonna get there, right? But, um, yeah, we're gonna get there. Oh, hey, tonight was fire. Yeah, you did an awesome job tonight, Chris. Yeah, you did as well, Miss Abby. As always, are so you back home? I am back home. I'm done traveling back home. Yeah, it's like for these next, um, uh, these next two months, I, you know, I'm gonna do my best to not travel as much. I gotta be in the lab. Uh, I'm working on some pretty cool things, not only for the show, but um, also for, uh, you know, my business and stuff to kind of help everybody else. So, yeah, I I got it's that season like you got to lock in sometimes, you know, you got to lock in. You got to, you know, freedom is great. I think that's one thing that we don't talk about enough as well. Like um, coming from corporate America as an engineer, Abby, like I never would have imagined the freedom of running a business and do what I do today would bring me so much joy, you know, you know, and, and, and I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, you know, so I really encourage anybody, right? I really encourage anybody that has that entrepreneurial bug, if they have something that they want to do and, you know, take that leap of faith to do it um, because it's worth it, right? All of this is worth it to be free, to have your own business and, you know, do what you want to do when you want to do it. But it's also a grind, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you give up the nine to five for, yeah. the nine, for 95 hours a week plus in the beginning, yeah. but it's just so worth it, you know, so it I just want to encourage anybody out there. Yeah, I highly, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I've been, 
I've been running my firm for over 14 years. Um, and I would say that it was the best decision I ever made. I was yeah. able to raise my daughter how I want um, um, to raise her and, and the freedom it gave me that. Now, I'm going to tell you guys this. Entrepreneurship is not for the weak. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes it's I feel not like it's not for me, right? It's not. <laughs> Some days I'm like, this is not for me today. It's not for, listen, I quit every day. <laughs> I quit right. every day and wake up the next day and just love what I do. And it's so funny because I'm the middle child of three, right? And yeah. my sister loved corporate world. She, she's in management. She loved corporate world. She loved wearing her suit and a managed group of people. And my brother is in tech. And, and But none of them would ever desire entrepreneurship. So I became it. Yeah, that's it. You know, so. Yes. Awesome. Right? She, like Charles said, you must be the you must be the most spoiled I, child, right? Realistically, I'm gonna be a hundred percent transparent. I am the least spoiled child. You could ask any of my siblings; they will they'll be, they'll tell you the truth. Abby is the least spoiled child, and that was because I'm the middle child. Middle middle children don't get attention, y'all. Like my brother, brother's mama's boy, yeah, and my sister's daddy's girl. Wow. See, middle kids don't get we we independent. Middle children are always independent. Wow. <laughs> I think we have one last question before we end. Um, Greg says, so how do you, um, how do annuity funds work? Okay. So it really depends on what type of annuity you're referring to, Greg. Um, so when it comes to, um, um, it may be a T, are you talking about like a TSA, a tax sheltered annuity? Um, give me a little bit more information on that, right? If you can real quick. There may be something that you need to email me, Greg, uh, but I can kind of give you, because there's multiple yeah. different annuity funds. Um, the main thing that the, with, with the annuity funds is period. If you're if your company has a variable annuity as a um, a four three B or um, a TSA, just understand the fees and expenses on that are are typically really high. Okay, um, and sometimes they have income riders on those that are that make it even more expensive. And if you're not focused on retiring yet, you don't need an income rider on that fund. Okay, so sometimes you really got to understand how that annuity how your the annuity works inside your retirement plan. Um, and understand that expenses are going to be a little high, but sometimes they perform well, right? There are a lot of times they're meant with, for a guarantee. And it's typically somebody has that if they work for a school district. Do, Greg, you work for a school district? I think Greg should email us his scenario. Okay. Maybe he yeah. left this. Greg, email, yeah, email us your scenario. I like to see how you, I like to, I like yeah. to have a picture of, um, of how your scenario looks like. I got to ask my job because I don't know, just wanted to know what's out there. Okay. okay great. Yeah, okay. actually, yeah, just log into your account, figure out what we got, and that way we can uh, we can set you on the right pace, my friend. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Michelle, middle child, yes, I'm so <laughs> with you. And Uncle Charles, you're terrible. <laughs> yeah, Me, I, I remember, I remember, um, I was in in Atlanta, and so Uncle Charles met my family. So Uncle Charles met my my mom, met my sister. So you saw me at the dinner table, right, Uncle Charles? I was not spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my sister would say that I'm spoiled. I'm the, I'm the youngest. So, but You're the baby? Oh, you spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she would definitely say I was spoiled in yeah. the baby. You but, spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, good. thank you so much for showing out today. And thank you for bringing all your questions. Don't forget to email us so we can actually put a picture um, together for you guys. So Chris and I in the back end can continue to work to bringing you guys bougie as all get older so chris and i can actually um, put together what um what you guys are actually needing chris you rock today 
Appreciate it. You did really well, Abby. So let's get it. You know, another episode. So I'm Vic. I guess we gotta we gotta do the outro. You guys have a wonderful day, guys. Take care, guys. Bye. Peace. Peace.